1: Now, as, as uh, he was at the gas pump pumping his uh, gas into his vehicle, the male suspect came up behind deputy and uh, shot the deputy multiple times. deputy then fell to the ground, the suspect then continued over to him and shot the deputy again multiple times as he laid on the ground. The EMS arrived on scene. Unfortunately, the deputy passed. We are actively searching for this suspect as right now. I have been in law enforcement 45 years. I don't recall another incident. This cold-blooded and cowardly. It appears he was shot because he's a law officer. Unless you can speculate another reason, that's what it appears. Deputy Goforth leaves behind a wife and two children. Our hearts go out to them. I think it's fitting that we're gathered here in the parking lot of a church because at times like this, I think it's important to ask for the prayers of our community, for this deputy, his family, and our department family.
2: And that was a video clip. From a shooting that took place, uh, right outside of Houston, Texas. So, um, there's been a string of cop killings and I will dig deeper into that. But right now I want to welcome you into the Lotus Place where we are living our life like it's golden, living our lives like they're golden, just living it like it's golden on this Sunday evening, August the 30th we're almost into september into the fall month i cannot believe it this month dragged by i cannot believe it of all months black august this month <laughs> has just taken forever Whew, to pass by and i say you this month has been like a roller coaster ride for me oh my goodness so that lets me know that um as uh my Raj's favorite Sam Cooke saying a change is gonna come because baby as exactly. okay? Yep. On New Orleans and in Louisiana. Baby. <laughs> so, uh, uh, uh. Speaking of which this is uh the tenth anniversary um date of uh Hurricane Katrina and the aftermath. And um I certainly wanna share my reflections on Katrina, I mean, watching the news and, oh, goodness, seeing the people on the rooftops and begging for help and assistance and the people at the super bomb. Oh, my goodness. Uh-uh-uh. That was horrible. So I, I-, I hope that uh, we can have some people call in and share their reflections. I did have a guest schedule to come on, but they weren't able to, so hopefully they can join us um, maybe next week. Um, To share share their experience with, uh, in terms of Hurricane Katrina and the aftermath, really, because although it's reported that a little more than 1,800 people, uh, died from Hurricane Katrina in the aftermath, the real aftermath, the real, the real tragedy, tragedy started after the levees were blown as, uh, came out as we're later on. So welcome in, Aja. How are you? Hello. Hello. I'm sensational. How are you doing tonight, Black Rose? I'm well. Thank you so very much for asking. Thank you. Oh, I want to let people know that um we will advertise your business here at Black Talk Radio Network. And um, you can just contact the network, and we can let you know about those pricing plans. And you can always, always, always donate uh, to Black Talk Network. So um, we want to definitely support our black businesses. And we are the black media, and we have to tell our stories, and we need the funds to do it. So we need it for you to donate. And tell your friends. Send the link. To Black Talk Network, just always broadcasting 24 hours a day. Where you can get your news, wow. and views, and a little music too. Okay. Yes, yeah, and not that awesome? Yeah, that yeah, is. I didn't realize that. Hmm. Yes, and so, yeah, donate to Black Talk Network. Um let's see, so we're talking about some pop killings. There was one in Memphis recently. I think there was another one, Mother, uh, Delta was gonna come on and share with us. Um, and then there was this recent one that took place Friday, right in Cyprus. Uh, Cyprus is mm. right outside of Houston. Now, Cyprus was supposed to be just like middle class suburb. People from Houston were moving over to Cyprus. But I tell you, they have more crime happening over there in Cyprus they sure do. than the Lord allows. I mean, it's always, yes, sure always do. something. And in Cyprus, I think there's like some type of... Uh, spirit that's over Cyprus because I need to look into this but there was like this massacre that took place in Cyprus some years ago. Oh Jamie. Mm. and I guess uh-huh, and so um I need to look into that because you know the killing with the uh with the uh, brother that just killed the wife and all the children, that was in Cyprus. So see they always have these little massacres and strange killings mm. going on in Cyprus. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Ah. Yes, ma'am. Supposed to be this middle class up and coming suburb. Um, if you go if you're leaving uh Houston going northwest, then you go into Cyprus. So it's like spring, I think it's spring and then Cyprus. Spring Texas and then Cyprus. So there may have been spring, let me see, what's this spring? Well, all of it is pretty much, I I consider it all the same, spring and of they're pretty much lumped together because it just you just kind of run in. And now Houston is so funny because, like, on the south, in between the southwest and southeast side of town or quadrant, um, you have just this little carved out town called Bel-Air. They have their own police department. and. Just a little carved out city for the, I think, primarily rich Jewish population. And, um, mm-hmm. then I was in an area just this past week, been in Houston, what, going on seven years, had never really taken notice that, okay, if I leave for my area and go seven miles south, I'm into Sugar Land, which I thought Sugar Land was a little, little further, which is another, uh, Suburb uh, of Houston. You're we into Sugar Land, and so I was in Sugar Land. But on one side of the street, you're in Sugar Land. But if you go on the other side, if you cross the light, then you're in this little bitty unincorporated town called Metal Place. I can that's the strangest. <laughs> This, this is so funny. My goodness. These people just want their own little this and their own little that. We want our own school district mm. and we don't want to be a part of you. And, you know, it's like, oh my <laughs> God. And that's what we were talking mm. about. I uh, was uh, speaking about with, um, Mother Dunning in terms of immigration because she mentioned that she supported immigration and, and Donald Trump, uh, not wanting the illegals coming in. And so Mother Hattie and I were like, you know, wait a minute, you know, you have to look at this. You know, these people, um, when when I say these people, I'm speaking about um, Europeans, white people here. When their ancestors came over, however they came over, they want to go with the Mayflower story or whatever you want to go with, but when you came over here to Ellis Island And everywhere else, when you slaughtered Native Americans, there were no immigration laws. It was okay for you to travel. And let's even go pre-vet. When African people were traveling all over the world into Italy, um, into uh, Asia, here in this land, in America, and all over, all up in Canada, and everywhere else, Mm -hmm. we were doing that freely. So once yeah. Have you know, one group of people that wanted to come over and then all of a sudden set up these laws and try to say who can come over and who can't. And then, mind you, I think it was the Berlin Conference of 1939, when everybody decided what chunk of Africa they were going to take. You know, all exactly. these different countries. I think it was like six or seven countries involved, you know, like the main ones, uh, United mm-hmm. States, France, and Great Britain, I think, uh well, anyway, you can do with that Berlin Conference, uh, I think it was Berlin Conference nineteen thirty nine. And they Belgium. decided who was gonna be, oh you know Belgium's dirty ass. Oh my God <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, devising their plan, their stratagem as to who would have what. Um the scramble oh, really? of Africa is what it's termed. Right. And so it was okay for people to scramble for you know, oh, I want the rubber over here in the Congo, and, you know, oh, I want the gold over here, and I want the diamonds down here in Angola, and in South Africa, and, you know, so these people were able to, uh, build, uh, generations of wealth for their family members, mm-hmm. by going all yes. the way, all over the world, colonizing people and going where they want to go, when they want to go, but seeing that you get your face set right. up and situated, then you wanna start some laws about immigration. That's not right. And furthermore, if you study your history especially in particular this history over here, these people uh uh <coughs> excuse me, uh uh were, were engaged in war trying to protect and defend their land from people like Sam Houston and uh what's his name? Um Ooh, Bowie. Uh when these people like uh uh, uh all of these raiders came over here and, and forced the native people off this land. So this was their land first, and they had to engage in war with these people to try to defend and protect their land. So I really don't like for people to say anything about people down here, like, say, Mexicans or Guatemalans, Hondurans, people, whatever, Hondurans trying to come in through this border. Because when those people from Ireland and everywhere else to come through Ellis Island, when they were dying, um with their little potato and all of this stuff. Nobody stopped them from coming over. They were welcome in. They were getting exactly. those jobs and all kinds of exactly. jobs. As long yep. as they you know denounced yep. the other black people because Irish people were considered black people also. That's why you have uh, I think it was uh Scotland, yes, yeah, Scotland not too long ago, uh having a plebiscite with Great Britain. Great Britain didn't want Scotland to separate, but some of the Scottish people wanted to separate. And rightfully so. Because the as is kept, I think Scotland, you know, just like say for instance, black people here in America bring in a majority of the wealth. Mm-hmm.
3: You know, just
2: uh, over, overall in terms of their uh, expenditures, in terms of their uh, buying power and the resources and the part of the land that they live in. So naturally Great mm-hmm. Britain, uh, wasn't favorable to them separating, but anyway, I just had to say that I know I went off on a little tangent on that. Um, but that's just been something on my mind because we had that discussion. So all of that immigration stuff, and people don't need to come here and all of that, and just like in Miami, when I was in Miami, um, once the Cubans hit a Miami beach, Miami land, then the Cuban people they have they have everything set up, the resources, the whole community. Uh, everything is properly arranged for them when they come. If they make it, they're fine. But now Haitian people, are exactly. in, in, in detention centers. They have all these psychops yes. and all of this stuff, all these tests, testing, testing with various drugs and all of this. Yes. Uh, forced on those yes. people. And they are only trying, they are, they are, uh, refugees just like anybody else. They need government. Yes, they're escaping assistance, genocide assistance, over there. Exactly. So they need assistance just like anybody else, especially since we're speaking of Haiti, where some people say that, um, that earthquake was caused by heart. And you had the chorea, uh, uh, damage, uh, killing, well, over 300,000 people or something. So they have a right to even now at this point still continue to uh, want to come, uh, uh, over to the United States. To take part in all of these services and freedoms that, uh, freedoms of the United States. Both. So, when you're talking about who can and who can't come into this land, I would love for black people to also think about that. What about our Haitian brothers and sisters? What about anybody that's trying to escape the many types of, uh, uh, political harm, or uh, distress, financial, whatever it is, people should first of all like whatever it is. And, they should have an yeah.
4: opportunity
2: to go where it's safe, and it should wherever not be wherever they want um, to go. You can come, you can't come. You can come, but you can't. You, and you can come, but coming from can over, can. over there? You have to pay this much, and you just coming from right. over there? You got to give Did you know that um, it's reported when the men from Honduras? come over here, they have to give up one kidney for a green card? Oh my god. Yes ma'am. Yes ma'am. It's reported that they give up a a kidney. I saw this picture uh, in a story and they were like about 10 Honduran Honduran men and they were holding Mm. up their shirts showing the scar from where the kidney was removed. Oh yeah. Pretty horrible. But, um, Aja, we're going to take a moment and listen to this Emmett Till video, just to share uh, some background information on the Emmett Till story. And uh, then we'll come back after that. But I want to play this in honor of Emmett Till, because this is the anniversary of Emmett Till's death in Money, Mississippi. Oh. So, Scotty, are you there? How you doing, Scotty?
5: I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> I'm not going to complain. I'm, <laughs> I'm still alive
6: and kicking. So. Still alive? Yeah, I'm still alive and okay. kicking.
2: You need to be All kicking right. too, Scotty.
6: Uh,
1: that's why. Alive and kicking. Yep. <laughs> alive and
2: kicking. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Scotty, get you some pineapples. Eat some pineapples. And you know what? I think next week we may read this program that um, Aja put me on. It's one of our famous programs, and maybe if we have some time tonight, she'll share just a little uh, background on that program. But right now, let's listen to this Emmett Till clip, and this clip also has Mamie Till speaking in it, so it's a very good clip. Have a look.
1: Emmett Till was a 14-year-old teen, and he was brutally murdered in Money, Mississippi. The lynching of Emmett was the key turning point of the Civil Rights Movement because the outcry of injustice sparked a national movement.
6: Emmett Lewis Till, also known as Bobo, was born on July 25, 1941, to Mamie and Lewis Till. Emmett grew up in a thriving middle-class black neighborhood on Chicago's South Side.
1: Emmett never met his father because his parents separated before he was born, shortly after Lewis Till was drafted in the Army to fight in World War II. Two years later, Mamie Till received news that her ex-husband was killed for unknown reasons. The only remains that she received from her ex-husband were a ring inscribed with his initials, which she later gave to Emmett.
6: Emmett and his mother were like brother and sister because his mother Mamie did not raise him because she had to work. However, Emmett was raised by his grandmother, but mom went to work. Emmett would love to play with his cousins and friends on 63rd Street.
1: Emmett's great uncle, Moses Wright, was visiting Chicago for a funeral. One of Emmett's cousins was going to travel back to Money, Mississippi with Moses Wright to stay for the summer. Emmett heard about his cousin going to Mississippi he wanted to go too. Emmett begged his mom to allow him to take the trip to Mississippi over the summer, and even though she had reservations, she allowed Emmett to go.
6: Emmett and his mom met his uncle Wright and his cousin at the tall street station. He left his watch with his mom because he didn't think he would need to keep time where he was going. But he wanted to keep the ring that his mother gave him from his dad. Emmett was very proud of the ring because it was the only thing to remind him of his father. So Mamie and Emmett waited for the train to Mississippi However, Mamie never knew that this would be the last time she'll see her son alive.
1: Mississippi was a different way of living than it was in Chicago. Because of Emmett's free spirited personality, he didn't fully understand the rules of racial segregation and the laws that came with a racist state.
6: As Emmett arrived to Money, Mississippi, he played in the fields and walked around the house. He and his cousins decided to walk to the store and money where other boys their age hung out. Emmett and his cousins went into the Bryant store to purchase candy. Emmett's cousin left out of the store and didn't realize that Emmett was still fooling around in the store. Emmett purchased some candy and left out
1: of the store. There are many accounts of what happened in the store, whether Emmett touched the white clerk's hand when he gave the money or not. However, when Emmett and his cousins left the store, the white clerk Mrs. Bryant walked out of the store to her car, and Emmett did the unthinkable. He made a wolf whistle at her.
6: Emmett shocked his cousins by his behavior. Emmett's actions in the Bryant store spread throughout the town. Emmett and his cousins were petrified and feared that something bad was going to happen. Reluctantly, the cousins had to tell Uncle Moses what had happened at the Bryant store. The family urged Uncle Moses to send Emmett on the next train smoking to Chicago.
1: Three days later, at 2.30 in the morning, there was a knock at Moses Wright's door. Mr. Bryant wanted to talk to the boy who was from Chicago and did a lot of fast talking. Moses reluctantly allowed Mr. Bryant to enter the
7: home because
1: he feared for his life and Mr. Bryant had a pistol on But he assured Moses that all he wanted to do was talk to the boy. Mr. Bryan grabbed Emmett out of his bed, and dragged him out of the house, assuring Moses he would take him up the road, whooping him, and bring him back. Mrs. Wright offered money if they would let Emmett go. Mr. Bryan and Mr. Milam were uncompromised. Emmett was put into the back of a truck, and they pulled off into the night. They took him 30 miles away to a farm in Drew, Mississippi.
6: Uncle Moses and Emmett's family waited patiently for Mr. Bryant and Mr. Malam to bring him back. But as the night turned into dawn, they knew they weren't going to bring him back.
1: Days later, Emmett's body was discovered in the Tallahatchie River, bound with a barbed wire to a 70-pound cotton gin band. The funeral home wanted to bury Emmett immediately because they didn't want to have any black in the state of Mississippi due to what was done to Emmett's body. So the funeral home arranged for a burial and had Emmett almost in the ground until Mamie Till and the Chicago officials requested to have the body returned to the mother in Chicago.
6: The body was returned to Chicago so that Mamie Till could finally see her son before burying him. The funeral director did not want to open the box that contained Emmett's body. But Mamie insisted to see her son. Mamie was not prepared to see what was in
4: the box. Had been choked out and it was lying down on his chin. I saw that uh, this eye was out and it was lying about midway the cheek. I looked at this eye and it was gone. I looked at the bridge of his nose and it looked like someone had taken a meat chopper and chopped it. And I looked at his teeth because I took so much pride in his teeth. His teeth were the prettiest things I'd ever seen in my life. I thought, and uh, I only saw two. Who ran the rest of them? They'd just been knocked out. And uh, I was looking at his ears. His ears uh, were like mine. They curled. They they're not attached, and they curled up. Oh uh, the same way mine are. And, and I didn't see the ear. Where's the ear? And that's when I discovered a hole about here and I could see daylight on the other side. I said, Now was it necessary to shoot it? If that's a bullet hole was that necessary And I also discovered that they had taken an axe and they had gone straight down across his head and the face and the back of the head were separate.
1: funeral director wanted to know if Mamie preferred a closed casket. Mamie Till said that she wanted to have an open casket and not to do anything to fix up the body because she wanted the world to see what they did to her son. Thousands waited to see Emma's body and many screamed and fell out in her pain. Mamie allowed spectators to view the body even after the funeral was over. Mamie's courageous acts allowed America to deal with this ugly, racist
6: Rory Bryant and J.W. Milam were arrested for the murder of Emmett Lewis-Till. Mamie Till received tons of death threats and vicious letters encouraging her not to attend the trial. During the trial, tons of people came out. As Mamie would walk from her car into the courthouse, spectators looking on would point their guns at her. Pictures of Emmett's body appeared in the Jet Magazine, which revealed the ugly monster a racism that America had to deal with.
1: Testimony for Moses' Wright was the most damaging. Moses pointed to J.W. Miles and said that he was the one who took Emmett from the house. Moses' action put his life on the line of vicious racists. His action was very courageous because he spoke the truth in front of a courtroom filled with white people. But Moses was determined to tell the truth by any means necessary. The all-white jury came back after less than an hour, with they not guilty. The courtroom cheered with great happiness.
6: Moses Wright was so disappointed with the verdict that he told his family that they must leave Mississippi immediately. Moses didn't feel safe anymore in Money, Mississippi.
1: The grand jury of Greenwood, Mississippi agreed to her evidence related to the kidnapping charges against Roy Bryant, J.W. Milam, but after 15 minutes, the grand jury did not return an indictment.
6: People from all over the United States were outraged of the injustice. J.W. Milam and Roy Bryant confessed their story in the Look magazine for $4,000. J.W. Milam and Roy Bryant were protected by the Double Jeopardy rule for being tried again after their confession in the magazine. Mamie Till Mobley died on January 6, 2003. She never saw justice for the murder of her son.
1: Due to the courageous acts of Mamie Till and the key decisions that she made, kept this story alive and shared all over the world.
2: And that was a video on the death of poor little Emmett Till. Welcome in, um, Brother King B. And hot. how are you? Huh? Yeah. Oh,
7: that that uh, audio is so devastatingly great for well, even our young people who never knew about the story. They should hear it. It should be quiet
1: listening
7: and video. Be quiet.
2: Yes, yes. Um, yes, right. I agree. I agree. You know what's it, so it has odd. A to me is, it does. I remember when um Trayvon Martin was killed and um Audra, you recall we were going to um different because there were several rallies here in Houston. And um, you know, everybody of course knew about Trayvon Martin, but like when reporters like myself, when we would ask young people, you know, how do you compare this to the death of Emmett Till? They were like, Emmett who? Yes. They hadn't heard of Emmett Till. They hadn't so heard of So many of them. so shocked, like, what? Yes. Yes.
3: And yeah. it was quite
2: embarrassing when the white reporters were asking some some of the black children who were quick to come out with the hoods on and everything. And I just felt mm-hmm. this whole, I, I I felt that the, the ball was really dropped somewhere along the line that these children were not just at least aware of his name. You know, like some people may be aware of Hannibal, but they don't know the story of Hannibal. Go ahead, uh, King B. That's, okay, well, King B hold that that's. hold that thought, King B on the other side of the break and then we'll come up right okay. back like yeah. that and I wanna I wanna hear what you have to say on that. We'll take just a
1: quick break. Do
5: you want me we'll to skip right playing now. that video after the break?
2: Yes, keep playing that. Hold that for a second, if you will, Scotty. And uh, we'll let King B have uh, his say on that, and then we'll prompt that video. Thanks so much.
7: Talk Radio Network. For live
6: programming schedules, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com
2: All right, and we are back here at the Lotus Place on this Sunday evening, August the 30th, and we just finished, finished listening to um, a video speaking about the um, horrible death of Emmett Till in Money Mississippi. Um, King B, your mic is open. Yes. When we went to break, you were yes. about to have a dialogue on something.
7: Yeah, I just in wanted to, the video. to uh, make it uh, yes, uh, one of the tragedies about our uh, people, we mm-hmm. don't want to recall the horrors of our past which should be passed down to our um, even to our unborn generation, so they wouldn't be so readily to say nigger this and nigger that or young men wearing their pants down, uh showing the crack of their butts. You know, the idea that they, our young people have no knowledge of their history. And when you have the elders not wanting to tell the story of figure, it, it's too horrible, but yet we see the Jewish people constantly telling their children about the Holocaust. And uh, that boy's picture, my mother was uh, a subscriber to Jet Magazine, and I was like about 10 years old when she showed me the picture
1: mm-hmm.
7: in Jet Magazine. It was a special cover story, uh, special edition. And it, I never will forget that picture. And what I'm saying is that our people, just with that history of Emmett Till, how we never get justice is, Brave mother, Mamie Mobley Till. Mamie, <laughs> uh, she was so, sorry, Mamie Mobley, not, uh, Mamie Mobley. She uh, was a fifth grade school teacher. She never told her class what happened to her son, but she always admonished her class that she always expected the best from them. No excuses for doing any, any less. And, um, but she was very, so brave to defy the FBI. Don't forget the FBI wanted her to not have the the open coffin, not just the funeral director suggestion. The FBI was also, in the picture, putting pressure on her not to have the coffin open. I didn't um, know that. Oh yeah, it was the FBI that put the pressure on her. And she defied the FBI. So, uh, you know, the FBI was always involved with covering up for the Klan. Uh, Hoover was not uh, a a fan of black people for justice. Uh he right. was a co conspirator with the uh seven uh Nazis down there and um uh, as far as the horrible death this young man uh suffered, uh you wouldn't do it to a dog. But the idea that our black pastors, our elected officials, even back then, never formulated uh economic boycott to make sure the killers of Emmett Till would be brought to justice and to let the DA know it wasn't going to be a white where those uh, killers would get away. Now, the wife okay. of the store owner, she's still alive today. She is still alive today. And her white supremacist mentality tells her you will never, ever break the bond between white supremacy and your ancestors. She yeah. knows her place, as if to say herself, in the days of pre-civil rights. She knows never ever to defy her ancestors. Black people have no regard for their ancestors, so they let these atrocities continue. All these killings of black young men and women, because Sandra Brand was lynched. There needs to be a reminder to black people that when we're needed to stand up, as our leaders are concerned, be they in the pulpit or in politics, they know their place and not to make any wins. Then you got the, uh, millionaire anchor person on MSNBC. He's now told, we don't need you anymore. Goodbye. Okay. And, um, talking about Al oh, Sharkin. you're,
2: are you, you're speaking about Al Sharpton. So I did read yeah, that. Uh, not, I meant to, um, I meant to ask my Oh, it's uh, a talk the it's a
7: talk of the town. It's the talk of the town. He would you, never, ever. He, 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 uh, disgraced the, getting justice for, uh, Eric Garner, wanted to have a bus ride into Staten Island, and because the police commissioner Bratton told him, no, you can't come over on the bus. He so, to pay.
2: NBC has reduced his airing time to what, Sunday morning, I think I read it? He's no longer, no well, longer, uh, airing.
7: He's no, on a week, on a weeknight. no. Nation. But the, I, yeah, you know, but the thing is about it, um, he has fulfilled his usefulness. But when he has always been needed to stand up for justice, he will always get you guaranteed hush money with his running partner, Sanford Rubinstein. They had a, they had an industry going. And, um, he would know his place. Never to upset white supremacy. So, uh, you know, Emma Till had, we had leaders back in those days, just like Shopton, that was paid to bewilder our people. But uh-huh. Mamie Mobley was not intimidated by those leaders. She stood tall and made sure that the world would know what happened to her son, her only child. And for, uh-huh. uh, after all these years, she died in 2003. She never got justice. And um there's no concern from the NAACP, the Congressional Black Caucus, all these black pastors that down there in Mississippi, and even with the Progressive Baptist Convention. They have no desire to get justice. And the best way you can get justice is let your wallet do the talking. It's either going to be the, from the barrel of a gun or from uh, your wallet. Because one thing about black folks, we are the biggest spenders in this country. And we need to ask ourselves, how long are we going to allow ourselves to be insulted? Because our people don't have a saturation point where we say, this is where we draw the line. You know, we don't have it.
2: Okay. Hey, Kansi, hold on a second. Uh, Arja has some good news that she would like to share for us with us. Arja. Yes. Bring us some good news. Okay. All right, what's good? Well, um I'd like I'd like to share with you all. Um we took Mr. Kendall Tidwell to college uh two weeks ago. He's been there I think it's his second week. Um, this will be his second week, yeah. Yes, this will be a second week. We uh took him to U, U- Lamar University um we we took all of his belongings and sheets and beddings and 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 paper towels and all the good stuff that he would need and it was really a nice uh a nice event to actually see this young man go off to college um after all that he has been able to surmount this if you will call this young man has has hosted on the Lotus Place, twice, oh, yeah. with regards to uh, college shows, college concerns, uh, relationships and things of that nature, very, very bright, brilliant young man, brilliant young man. And um, he's told his story uh, on on the local news here, as well as has made um, three invited trips to the White House. He has left had lunch with the first lady, Michelle Obama, and he is has accomplished so much at such an early, early age. He is the product of um uh, of two parents uh who were uh incarcerated early in his life. He spent a um some time being shuffled, he and his little sister. Um uh, uh between foster homes until his uh, uh, beloved grandmother adopted them out of the system. And she uh, did a wonderful job of raising him. Uh, His mother is back into his life now. They have a a good relationship. Uh, He sent this wonderful letter forgiving her, which uh, helped him to learn how to deal with uh, his emotions. And he is just so wonderful and enlightening to listen to. Oh, and yeah. he's come so far, and, and it's just the beginning, really. So this was a big thing for us. Um, we want him to, to promote his, uh, his uh, 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 ability on campus so that he can, can do radio shows there. Right, uh, Black Rose? Exactly. And he is already getting, getting himself adjusted and ready to start airing some more of those college shows that we've been having so many people, um, request to hear more of and more from our wonderful group of, um, college students. Mother Hattie, I see. Hi. Before we go to this clip on Katrina, how are you? What's going on in your world? Any news there? Oh gosh, yes. Let me, uh, share one thing with you. This is the news I heard, um, <clears throat> yesterday. You know, I was down attending, um, observing that trial with, uh, the young man that was shot by the police from there in Charlotte two yes. years ago. From okay. I think his name is mm-hmm.
5: Jonathan, for uh-huh. real.
2: Jonathan Farrell. Jonathan Farrell. Yeah, and okay. so Jonathan Farrell okay. is a young man that was shot by the policeman, and the officer's name was uh Carrick, and I can't think of the officer's first name. But at any rate, there was a um, pastor uh, of a very large ministry there, even had a school attached to his ministry, and uh, his name is uh Philip Bishop Philip Davis. He had had several um, community kinds of meetings around the trial while the trial was going on, and Uh uh, he was looking at some policy after it was a mistrial, and there was no um, consequences of that for the officer, so he was found dead yesterday in his office, gunshot room, what? And um, he is the pastor of Nations Ford Community Church. It seems to be a very quiet kind of sort of thing. Um, they only did a little bit on it in the local news there. But his, his, his deal was after that, uh, he wanted to have some changes in the jury selection process, as well as um, looking at the kinds of training the officers should have for as excessive force. Um, I I think um what they're calling it is uh he was cleaning his gun and shot accidentally. They're saying accidental. Oh boy. However here we go. However uh,
5: here we go. however
2: we all know that it was it was it was just pretty Rough, I think, because that church is huge. It's the only church in this whole nation that has an African boys academy attached to it. Oh. They have, so they have a school, they have a church, and they have a, uh, a college. And so any place ah. that kind of infrastructure in, yeah. Wow. Ah. Google Nation Ford Community Church. And you okay. nation something at
5: Nation
7: Nations for M- Nations
2: Ford. F O R D. Nation okay, okay. Ford Community Church.
5: It's Nations with a
1: S.
2: And his name is Bishop Philip Davis, I believe. I have been to the school because I was gonna do some volunteer work there last summer. Oh, my I goodness. have not been to the church, p- but all p- I'm saying p- is here again is the plucking away. Mm. Of a life that uh oh. is really a critical void now now his wife was a minister as well at that at that institution this was their they celebrated this year they this this week they celebrated their forty second wedding anniversary they celebrated yeah. um the anniversary oh. thirty six years of their church uh and mm. they celebrated his birthday and today this Sunday was supposed to be the culmination of all of that happening.
5: Uh, and
2: do you really believe this man accidentally shot himself with his gun? Hell to
5: okay. the note.
2: Hell. To so the well, 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 what did, where did the bullet enter? Hold up in the chest. Now the deal is this is uh, what's that? You know what's that man's name? Jesse Helm. Jesse Helms uh-huh. neighborhood. And he was the one that says segregation now, segregation forever. This is in uh-huh. Jesse Helms' community. and Oh, I oh really? It's called, I believe it's called Union County is where he lives.
1: So yeah, mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm.
2: Union County, mm-hmm. you know, of course, his wife found him there. She tried PR it says in this article we don't know if any of this is the truth because you can't believe anything anymore. It seems. Yeah. Okay, this is what's written. You'll read it probably after. However, at any rate, the sheriff's office there is saying that, okay, this was an accidental uh shooting and that's their investigation and they have no other comment. But anyway, <laughs> this, just wanted to share that with you guys. And okay, you so guys when did it happen? It? When did it happen, Mother? Yesterday. So they've already they've already come to this conclusion within within 48 hours. Let me let me just tell you this. It was is this is this is the kind of interesting part, and I don't know. This is coming from the local people. At first, people saying there was something else happening in that neighborhood, some kind of gunfire with gang people. Guess what? That neighborhood probably doesn't have a lot of gang people in it. And then I guess they figured that storyline wasn't going to work. So they went with the accidental shooting. Bottom line is, when you guys we talk about pastors sometimes, just wanted to share with you the man over in South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina, the senator and all those massacred people there with this, quote, lone gunman. Well, we know that is not to be characterized in that way. We know that sure. that's well organized. And so is this well-organized. And so you're plucking these certain leaders out. Because when you do that, mm-hmm. you're going to leave a void. You're going to slow down a movement. So I say that to say this. We really should not be so engaged in talking about how awful these black ministers are. Because as I have often said, some of them are rich. Really-
7: but the ones that are for liberation and justice, the government know who they are. And yes, they, they do. can pick them off. They can pick them off in the old saying, this bishop, this brother's bishop, the old saying, kill the leader, kill the idea. When they kill when this government killed Dr. King, I said this government, very, there, there are no black pastors, even where you live and where I live, there are no black pastors that will dare hold a commemoration anniversary of Dr. King's assassination. But they readily hold the anniversary of his birth. Now, the issue of communion once a month to commemorate the death of Christ. Now, if there ever was, if there ever was a Uh Christ-like leader other than Dr. King, you tell me who had not only to take the the abuse from white folks, he had to take the abuse from black folks. Especially when Dr. King came out against the war in Vietnam, 60% of the black population turned their backs on Dr. King.
3: Now, these hypocrites, everybody loves
7: Dr. King now. But when Dr. King came out against the war in Vietnam, black scurried. They They scurried.
2: Okay, hey, hang on, Candy. We're gonna listen to this video um, in regards to some of the aftermath of the Katrina hurricane. Katrina uh, included uh, so many deaths, destruction of buildings, property, and I remember when we collected some stories from some of the people we conducted in ethnographic. Um, some ethnographic interviews from some of the survivors, and they were just heartbreaking and bone chilling. But let's listen to a portion of this video from Malik Rahim, who was there uh, when the white militias would not allow some of the black people to um, leave out of certain parishes and come into Algeria. Algeria. So, Scott, if you
0: could load that one up for Out of all the chaos and violence that's emerged in the aftermath of Katrina, there's perhaps nothing more disturbing than what happened in the neighborhood of Algiers Point. Just days after Katrina hit and law and order began to break down, bands of white militias riding pickup trucks and carrying shotguns began to patrol the streets, using deadly force against blacks when they deemed it necessary. Members claim they were carrying out vigilante justice in order to protect the streets from looters. But according to a joint investigation by the Nation and ProPublica, at least 11 African Americans were shot by whites in Algiers in the days and weeks following Katrina. All the while, NOLA police turned a blind eye to the violence. Take a listen to what a member of one of the militias said about the experience.
1: I never thought,
4: 11 and a half months ago, I'd be walking down the streets of New Orleans with two thirty-eights in my pocket and a shotgun over my shoulder. It was great! Go. It was like pheasant season in South
1: Dakota.
0: And just last week, Cam Edwards, host of the NRA's news show, praised the actions of the militias during Katrina, saying that Algiers' residents were, quote, looking out for each other by walking the streets with firearms. This rewriting of history means that to this day, there's been absolutely no justice for the victims of these gangs. While in New Orleans, I sat down with two men who took up arms themselves for protection against the militias. Malik Rahim is a former Black Panther member, and Scott Crow is one of the most notable anarchists in America today. Both men joined up to found Common Ground Collective in the days after Katrina, one of the largest grassroots organizations to provide vital social and medical services to fill the void left by government. Over the first four years of existence, Common Ground did everything from building health clinics to setting up housing for thousands of displaced residents. In the four years after Katrina, Common Ground served over 200,000 people. To this day, serves as a model for disaster response from Indonesia to New York. I started the interview by asking Malik if he was prepared for the aftermath of Katrina.
8: Absolutely nothing in my life prepared me to the aftermath of Katrina. Uh, The first two days was... Was normal, and then that Wednesday, you know, when when people yeah. seeing that there was no hope, when they seeing that the state and the city and the federal government wasn't planning on doing anything, when the horror stories from the convention center uh, start leaking out. And that's when the whole dynamics shift. That's when Katrina shifted from being a disaster to a tragedy. Mm -hmm. And uh, in this area here, we had a white militia that took up arms, And uh, you had to pass a paper bag test. If you was darker than a paper bag, you couldn't come through algae point. You. you know, they had blocked off all the streets. Firemen stopped being firemen and started being guards. You know, uh, one minute you was doing rescue work with police, and the next minute they was pulling guns on you.
0: Talk about the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, the first 72 hours. What was that experience like for you, and what did you see?
9: The white militia here was gathering, was gathering ground. And, and you have to understand, they look like the Klan without the hats. They were driving around in the back of trucks drunk with guns pointed at black people, not anybody else, drawing guns on them and shooting people. And, you know, when I first got here, the first thing that we did was we, we covered up this body, this bullet riddled body over here that you could smell for two blocks coming over there. There's another dead body over here that was bullet riddled. We'd already seen drowned people, but now we're seeing bullet riddled. So who killed them? Was it the police or was it the, the militia? And so at the time, we didn't know which one it was because both of them were out of control. New Orleans police, long history of systemic racism, a systemic uh, out of control police system. So basically when I came, I came to take up arms in a community that I was invited into by with other other people from this community, black people from this community, two white guys and three black guys from the community from this community took up arms to defend ourselves, defend the community against being killed by militia. They were threatening Malik. They were driving by, pointing their guns at him, saying they're going to get you, Mayor. I don't even know if you remembered that. Mm-hmm. They were drawing their guns. And, and so we were basically like, we, we were like, you're not going to do that. And then, the, and then the, the police drew guns on us constantly. This is something that you know, people in this community, these communities have to go through every day, but it was happening to, to white people who didn't live here. And um, and they kept saying they were going to overtake. So this is the situation. But they weren't doing anything to help people. They wanted to restore law and order. They did not want to, you know, you have to understand that There's like people trapped in their attics. There's people trapped on their rooftops. We're not talking about like a few hundred people. We're talking tens of thousands of people are going to die. And all they want to do is restore law and order. And they're they're turning a blind eye to the militia in this neighborhood. So we started to ask the people in the neighborhood. And we started, they said, can you get the rotted meat out of here? Can you take the, can you get the dead dogs out of here? Can you stop the militia from here? Can we get some medical services? And so from that, this beautiful thing started to emerge. So we took this incredibly historic, terrible situation and tried to turn it around because what there was was there a crack in history that opened where the, where the where power had lost all its control and and a space opened for the people from us from below to come and actually try to do something
0: well scott how do you feel when you hear organizations like the nra actually praising the algiers militia
9: it was infuriating i mean these guys i was in an armed standoff with them and i was thinking and i had always I'd always been like, "Well, maybe I should have pulled the trigger, and then I would have like I would have killed these people, and then I would have gone to prison and like all these bad things would have happened would have stopped them from killing other people. But then, when I hear the n r a praising them today like at my, in the ninth anniversary i 'm like what 's wrong with you these men these men and women were killing people and bragging about it. they were treating them like Malik was saying as other. As anybody who was desperate was other and treated like dogs or less than dogs and like they should be killed. They called it pheasant season, shooting black youth. They were like, it's pheasant season. And and I'm I'm sorry, I'm so angry about it, but it's, it's infuriating. It's not just, and it's not just the police. This is the systemic part of this. Malik, why do you think the government failed
0: so abysmally to react and provide adequate relief in the aftermath?
8: If to give the government too much credit by saying they failed. Because if you say that you failed that's something, that means that you tried. You never yeah. tried. Damn right. So you know it from the get-go. You know that uh, right. we had a ship to run across this levee here. And it didn't break. Why? Because this levee protected whites. It protected the U.S. uh, naval base that was here. So an ocean freighter could run across this levee and it won't, and it didn't break. I'm going to tell you something. Long before Hurricane Katrina, New Orleans had already been inundated. Hurricane despair, Hurricane poverty, Mm -hmm. Hurricane racism. They had already inundated this area. So, you know, the only thing that uh, Katrina really did is kind of expose it. And because that no one cared is the reason why we facing the ramification of it now. Mm -hmm. Because those little nine-year-old kids and them little 16-year-old kids that was in the convention center that you showed no love or compassion to is now 16, 18, 20 years old with a gun and have no uh, no love in their heart. Because there wasn't no trauma counselors. The first high school that was open in the aftermath of Katrina for poor blacks was, had up to 75 kids in one classroom. It had more guards than, uh, teachers. It's not, it's not no, uh, 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 accident that Chicago and New Orleans have such high, uh, murder rates. Look what we did in both cities. We destroyed all the public housing without giving no economic opportunity to no one. Mm-hmm. So the, who was the, the equal opportunity employer? The drug dealers.
3: Mm-hmm.
8: Then we put them in jail where we transformed dogs into wolves. Mm-hmm. Wolves run in packs mm-hmm. and they kill in packs. Mm-hmm.
0: Scott, talk about Common Ground. What type of services did the organization
9: provide and how many volunteers came through and worked with the group? At one point, we had seven clinics running, right? We also had how many, just nine distribution centers. Um, we were working with the First Nations communities all along the Gulf Coast. We were working in the Vietnamese communities. The, um, there was like fishing communities, uh, the Creole communities, and these, all these rural areas where nobody was at, as well as what we were doing in New Orleans. And the thing is, Common Ground operated as an organization, but also as a network so we were also spinning off organizations as we were going and um we had mobile clinics going we had a bicycle repair shop which is uh, was just spun off uh we started a women's uh, center uh that uh, still exists today um there's there was the rebuilding coop we did worker cooperatives um there's a number of projects any any given week there could be 2000 people on the ground from around here and coming from around the country, working on 150 projects or programs at, at any time between 2005 and 2008. And people were willing to do whatever it took to make happen for people that didn't even know. And then those people who were, had a leg up, were, you know, they were just trying to build their self-determination for their community. And I think that's an amazing thing because disasters reveal more than anything in, in, in the, the failures of capitalism and governments.
0: Malik, what lessons can we all learn from Katrina? We make
8: America a great nation is its people, its ability to come out and help those in time of need. The greatest effort of Common Ground wasn't the work that it did, it was who did the work. That you had over 20,000 whites to come down into black communities. Communities that's right now uh, is still classified as being some of the most dangerous communities in this city that didn't listen to what the, uh, media was portraying. That came down here and they didn't find no thugs. They find God-fearing people. Hard-working people that just by circumstance and conditions happen to be poor. Yeah, right. That's what they found. And then at the same time that they was dispelling that myth, among us Blacks, we was it was another myth that was being dispelled. That, that was the myth that all whites was evil. All whites was oppressive. Only thing whites wanted to do to Blacks is to either oppress them or exploit them. They came down here and they saw this. It was more than just a relief organization. Common Ground came here and, and brought hope to an area that had lost hope. It brought justice to an area that has thrived and only lived in injustice. It brought opportunity to a community
9: that we're only seeing despair. But I think that, that common ground in, the, in the, the beginning of the 20th century here, the 21st century here, is the, was a, a, a time that people can now look at and go like, this is what people can do when disasters happen. Now, as climate change becomes more real and disasters happen much more, economic disasters continue to happen, the failures of capitalism. I think that people come, things like common ground and occupy, occupy Sandy, things like that be, become this place that people can look at as a reference point to go like, what can I do in my community? Wait, we can do this together. We don't need the government to do this. Oh, we don't need the corporations to lie to us, and we can do that. Those are the legacies that I'm the proudest of.
0: That's our show, you guys. Thanks so much for watching. Be sure to join me tomorrow when I break the set all over again.
5: This is Brother Elliot, first of time for an awakening, and you're listening to Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennium.
2: and we are back and in listening to that video i am glad to hear someone speak about how um many of the people's bodies that the survivors could see floating through the water as they were trying to make it to the superdome or to the various bus stations so many bodies were riddled with bullets and it just couldn't be explained because they were like of course thinking that yes we will see some people who may have drowned from the levees being <clears throat> breached. But why do these bodies have bullet uh bullet holes? Why do people have bullet holes on their heads and even babies? I remember people telling us about stories of babies that had bullet uh that that had been shot in uh, various places of their bodies. Let me open up uh let's see uh Delta I think Delta you may have some news for us, a hot news topic and then we'll go into our uh, second hour speaking about the I am, the power of I am and Anja will talk to us some more about the root chakra grounding ourselves through all these horrific times and why are we feel why are we feeling like this? So I'm <laughs> gonna Okay. All right, well okay, so um, is that Brother
5: Brown?
2: Hello, how you doing, sis? Hey, Brother Brown, how are you? Can you hear me? Hey, Brown. Yeah.
5: What's happening? Hey, hey, how y'all doing? Hey, hey Brother
2: Brown. Brown. How you doing, sis? Can you hear me? I'm great. I'm wonderful. Thank yeah. you.
5: Yeah,
2: okay, yeah. I want to... Okay, I think we have Delta off. back also. Okay.
5: Yes, Brother Brown. What's going on? Yeah, I was... I was, I was listening to, uh... I was listening to some of that. I called in late because I had went out of town and I had just got back. But I called in mm-hmm. I call I was listening to some of that. Was that Malik Shabazz talking? Um,
2: you know, I don't think
5: so. no,
7: no, that was Malik oh, no, Rahim. No, 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 no. With the
2: hurricane video. No, 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 no. His name was Malik uh
5: no, that, was, Rahim. that was that Yeah, that was Brother Rahim. I talked to him just before he left the country I think he left and went to Cuba.
1: Okay. Somewhere
5: because one one of the problems that that they had down in Katrina, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what Brother Malik was trying to bring out, was that when all of this money was dispersed, mm-hmm. all of this money came down. This was one of the clips, one of the glitches in that in that money. They told Brother Malik and me and him talked about this until he left New the Orleans. They told him that they had to get somebody from a prominent known statue such as a Jesse Jackson or a Al Sharpton to come down and then they would disperse the money to the people. That is why, when I looked at it the other day on CNN, that is why the portion of black homes and the ninth ward and some of the other wars. See, so they focus on the ninth ward, but they don't tell you about the other projects that no water damage. Right, because we saw was some
2: was of those that, right near right, um the Superdome and no, right. Bourbon Street. I mean, right.
5: they they had right, they had they had they had canned goods, and they and I was working with some people in New Orleans at, at that time. They had canned goods, they had apartment houses, they had housing projects that no water had ever touched. All of those no were the water that
2: many of them were bricks. No
5: water ever. Yeah, they were made out of bricks. Now what people did not understand was that New Orleans had the second largest concentration of public housing communities in this country. Now, I used to be an advocate for public housing because I was raised in public housing.
3: And under
5: the, I think it was under the Clinton administration, that came up with this project called HOPE6. Six. HOPE6 Six was a federal mandate that demolished all, the majority of public housing in, in America. It was less like it was a sweet deal. We're going to get rid of this and administer society. But what HOPE 6, what people didn't understand about HOPE 6 was that the federal government ran that money. One of the mandates for public housing at that time was called a unit-for-unit project, which means if you tear down a unit, you had to rebuild a unit. They changed that under the Clinton administration. And by the time George Bush got there, the money was gone. So that is why they didn't get around to New Orleans to destroy their public housing because they had too many they had too many people depending upon uh, uh public housing. And I remember this sister that I met in a homeless shelter shooting where the state she was from New Orleans, and she was HIV positive, okay, from using needles and shooting drugs. And I gave her some sanctuary for a couple of days. And then I took her to a friend of mine who was working in social services and got her some help. And this was in 2000, this was in 2006. This was a year after Katrina. And she told me, she said, she shared some very, very intricate information. She said her brother worked at the level. He had worked at the level for 10 years. And she said that okay. when her brother saw them putting demolition things in the water, where the levee was, he said, he asked the front, he asked them what was the federal government doing, you know, going underneath the levee. And she said that they told him that was none of his business. We said, well, on the day that the hurricane was supposed to come, he said that they blew the levers up. Mm-hmm. And the reason for them blowing the levers up and directing that water was so that they would have a legitimate excuse Tear down the housing and remove the majority of poor black people and low income yeah. whites out of New Orleans.
2: Right.
5: You see mm-hmm. that? You know, that, that was the yeah. purpose of this. It was a by design mm-hmm. plan.
2: Forced. And removal. all made for yes.
5: forced right.
2: force removal. Like, it's just placement. like,
5: right, it's just mm-hmm. like, gentri- it was a form of gentrification, but in the, in yeah. like, in the same element, what they did, they Use ethnic cleansing of our people to allow the casinos and the corporate businesses to come down there, take control of the school system.
2: Yeah. Now New Orleans has primarily like charter schools,
5: and the
2: housing the housing has has increased the cost of housing has increased tremendously. And the last time I was in New Orleans, which was what about? A month or so ago, it's nothing like it used to be when we used to go right. all of the time prior to Katrina. Because over 100,000 black people were removed um from, from uh, uh, uh New Orleans in that area. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you know if it's 100,000, it's probably 300 or more, 300 or more thousand people. And I remember, and I know people that have gone to New Orleans can attest to this. There used to be a time, see, New Orleans was all about the culture. It was about the people. That's why people came to New Orleans. They came for the the sexiness, the bourbon street, the fun, seeing the the, uh, New Orleans uh, doing the flips uh, down Bourbon Street, the kooky characters on Bourbon Street, the people drinking. It was all about the culture, the people, um, the food, the Cajun food uh The voodoo <laughs> and you know the graveyards and you know all of this. The freestyle. Black people well, yes yeah, going, yeah, going to Congo going to Congo's crowd on campus and going to Congo Square and now in New Orleans everything closes on Bourbon Street like at these weird hours nine ten o'clock and it it wasn't yes. like that prior to them moving all the black people out so they move these black people out to take control of. That whole area that should have been preserved as a cultural center, uh, center. New Orleans is, uh, in and of itself because those were the Africans that came from the Congo and Angola. Okay, Candy, you, you want to say something? Yes. Yeah, uh, we must not,
7: we must, must not forget a very important, uh, involvement why they had to wash blacks away.
1: Mm-hmm. It
7: was the fact that the blacks in the lower ninth ward Would vote as a block to stop the Uh, all-white city council from having it their way to do in blacks for sure. Every time blacks would vote as a block, it defeat those racist dogs in the city council, which is an all-white city council. They had to use the storm, cold storm, as far as as a prop to create a perfect storm that was man-induced to wash blacks away and don't say that this government wouldn't have the capacity to commit genocide. Look what it did to the Native Americans. And if uh, blacks are in their way without a race of people, to this date, we never had political nor legal protection. So you could do to us whatever they had the desire to stop the threat to white supremacy and this, this apartheid system and there's no one to talk about the fact that blacks in the Lower Ninth Ward was a threat because they always voted as a block. I wish blacks here in New York City would vote as a block. I mean, we but are in... Can't. Now, uh, you, no, you know, that's
2: threat. a whole nother deal with that whole voting. We can have a whole show on voting. I know, but I'm saying that in that Lower Ninth House Ward
7: and in, the, in the Lower... I just keep leave that to Lord Knight Ward. They voted as a block to stop the all white city yes. council having it their way. All right, just leave it at that. Right. That alone says enough why they had to erase the black population.
2: Black population. I agree with you on that because again, um, like right off of Bourbon Street where some of those housing projects were located, they didn't have any damage to them at all. And I recall people uh, sharing with us that like three to five years prior to Katrina, there were several, uh, land speculators that were trying to, of course, intimidate people into selling their land, forcing them to sell their land, you know, stealing the land from the elderly and all of that. You know how they, oh, you, you have these taxes. Oh, you haven't paid these taxes. We're gonna take your land away? And if there, are, if a if the senior citizen doesn't have anyone to look out for, or any grandchildren or somebody to look out for a support system, then they're swindling to, having their land taken away from them. so Exactly. But like, well, where
5: hard. I live at, up in Maryland, where I live at, in Somerset County, Maryland, this mm-hmm. is the poorest county in the whole state of Maryland. And the county that I live in, you know, this is what has been going on. I've been here 10 years. And mm-hmm. I have seen so many black people that are so naive to the possession of land. You know, and my thing is that you go down here, you go to a car dealership, and you will buy a $14,000 car, but you will not, for whatever reason in your pea-brained mind, buy land that is going for three and $4,000. We're talking about acres of land. The young man right over there, not too, right across from where I live at, he bought a house already
2: constructed with five oh, acres Wait line. a minute. Okay. Hold on, Bud Brown. We're not going to get into the house because I need to play a couple of other videos to lead into Aja's coming in because I know Aja has to get out of here. We want her to go into her, um, chakra, root chakra. But before we do that, Scotty, can you pull up the, um, uh, I am, video? hello. <laughs> yeah, Jess, can you hear you? There's oh, okay, no when you get a chance, I got something I want to say. When you get a chance. Okay, yeah, we were waiting on you during the first hour for that day. Oh, okay, okay. now. We're going to have to hold on on that one for a second. Okay. What do you want to do tonight? Okay. The
3: same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. This audio presentation of The Power of I Am has been compiled and edited by David Allen and is brought to you by AudioEnlightenment.com, copyright 2012, all rights reserved. Forward I am is the name of God. I am is known as the lost word. The word I am has never really been lost, but the true meaning has been. The power that goes with understanding what I am is and does has been lost. I searched for the best books I could find on this subject, but couldn't seem to find what I was looking for. But through the hundreds of metaphysical books I had read, I knew that I am was important enough to have one book on the subject. I took the best of the best from the best authors on the subject, in my humble opinion, and compiled this little masterpiece of the great I am. Within its pages, if you apply what you read and understand, you may just be surprised at the results. It is with this in mind that this book was born. David Allen I am is power. And I am will free you when you know what it is and how to use it. I am is who you are. I am is your center, and what you experience is what you have believed to be truth and attached to it. Be very careful what you attach to your I am. It has the power to limit you or free you. I am you. I am love. I am wealth. I am health. I am spirit. I am power. I am Abundance. I am Plenty. I am Divine Substance. I am Strength. I am Source Energy. I am Genius. I am Beauty. I am Life. I am Color. I am Thankful. I am Divine Mind. I am Energy. I am God. I am Happy. I am Fun. I am Law. I am Open-Minded. I am Young. I am strong, I am wise, I am wonderful, I am positive, I am determined, I am motivated, I am persistent, I am upbeat, I am confident, I am thoughtful, I am tolerant, I am integrity, I am confidence, I am divine energy, I am success, I am intelligence, I am the truth, I am good, I am that I am, I am mind, I am joy, I am one with God, I am perfect, I am peace, I am whole, I am grateful, I am secure, I am free, I am consciousness, I am awareness, I am mind, I am insight, I am revelation, I am illumination. I AM ENLIGHTENMENT. I AM HEAVEN. I AM UNLIMITED. I AM HARMONY. I AM PROSPEROUS. I AM A MAGNET. I AM GIFTED. I AM RESPONSIBLE. I AM VITALITY. I AM RADIANT SUBSTANCE. I AM DIVINITY. I AM LIGHT. I AM THE WAY. I AM EVERYTHING. I AM ALIVE. I AM CALM. I AM RELAXED. I am divinely guided, I am pure, I am noble, I am awake, I am allowing, I am creative, I am blessed, I am worthy, I am blissful, I am beautiful, I am grace, I am focused, I am kindness, I am imagination, I am inspired, I am thin, I am vibration, I am the universe, I am master of my destiny. I am what I desire to be. I am. What is I am? It is your true being. It is your real nature. Your real self and nobody else. Because no one else can say, I am for you. Only you can say, I am. That is your real identity. The presence of God in you, the indwelling Christ. That is you and whatever you attach to I am with conviction, that you are and that you have. I am is the fact of existence, and to know that gives you all power. When you have to go and tackle the Egyptians and your heart turns to water within you, and you say to yourself, I cannot do this, I am not adequate, there is no way, then remember your true identity and say to the Egyptians, I am hath sent me and the road will open, and you will surmount your difficulties. God is the I am that I am, and you are I am, and you make your destiny and your own fate by the things which you attach to that I am. For that is what you really believe about yourself. If you give credence to fear by saying, I am afraid, then you are destroying yourself. Every time you entertain a pang of fear or jealousy or a thought of criticism, every time you speak an unkind word to anyone, and much more so if you say about them when they are not present, you are definitely shortening and destroying your life. You are definitely breaking down your cells. You are making your body more sensitive to pain. Nor do we lose a grain of good. Nobody can keep away from you. Every time you say, I am one with God, you are improving your life. Every time you refuse to be bullied by fear, every time you allow the highest you know and put your trust in God, you are lengthening your life, improving your health, and making it more difficult for disease to attack you. Your I amness, your consciousness, is the way in which you change your world. Whatever you attach to I am, you become. As you affirm with feeling, I am illumined, inspired, loving, harmonious, peaceful, happy, and strong. You will resurrect these qualities that lie dormant within you, and wonders will happen in your life. When men and women help you in the realization of your dreams, they are playing their part, and are messengers testifying to your beliefs and convictions. You wrote the play, and other men and women execute the parts conforming to your concept of yourself. The Top Secret When you say, I am... You are announcing the presence of God within you, as explained in the third chapter of Exodus. I am means pure being, life, awareness, self-originating spirit, unconditioned consciousness. In other words, it is a secret to millions of people, because they don't know that when they say I am, they are proclaiming the presence of God within them. It is called Om in India, and many chant the word Om as a mantra. It is important to know that the meaning of the word om before using it. In Sanskrit, mantra means an instrument of thought. The Virgin Mary The I Am within you is the Virgin Mary, which is capable of infinite conceptions of itself, without the aid of any man. The word virgin in the Bible means a pure mind, or mind dedicated to God. The word Mary comes from mare, meaning the sea, all of which means the pure stream of consciousness. Maya, the name of the mother of Buddha, has the same meaning. The words Queen of Heaven, Star of the Sea, Isis, Queen Esther, etc., all mean the same thing. The I Am, or Presence of God, in your subconscious depths. God, or I Am, gives birth to the entire cosmos and all things contained therein, and is the only Presence and Power. Actually, all the symbols of Christmas have to deal with the human heart, or your subconscious mind, The star spoken of represents the infinite intelligence within you, which guides and directs you and reveals to you the answer. You can claim that God is guiding you and revealing to you the answer or solution to your problem. Accept the truth that the nature of infinite intelligence is to respond to you, and you will receive an answer without the aid of any man. You can boldly affirm, I am whole, perfect, strong, loving, illumined, prosperous, and inspired. As you continue to affirm these truths and feel and believe what you claim, without the help or cooperation of anyone, you will express what you feel to be true. Remember, whatever you attach to I am, you become. The one and only power. the Bible calls as power I am, which means being, life, awareness, unconditioned consciousness, self-originating spirit. All things are made by the self-contemplation of spirit or God. It creates by itself, becoming the thing it creates. Before Abraham was, I am. John 8.53 This means, before any objectification or manifestation of ideals or desires takes place, the unconditioned or formless awareness, I am, conditions itself into the image and likeness of your concept or ideal. The I AM within you, which means being, life, awareness, self-originating spirit, etc., is God, or the life principle. I AM is the true Christmas tree, and all gifts are on the Christmas tree, for God is both the giver and the gift. If you work for someone and he pays you, he is liquidating an obligation. But I AM is a gift to you. No work or sacrifice is needed. You are God. You are the I am that I am. You are consciousness. You are the creator. This is the mystery. This is the greatest secret known by the seers, prophets and mystics throughout the ages. I dwell within every conception of myself from this withinness, I ever seek to transcend all conceptions of myself. By the very law of my being I transcend my conceptions of myself only as I believe myself to be, that which does transcend. I am the law of being, and beside me there is no law.
8: You don't care about your with Now, Woody, Willie got to pair my my sneakers. One way he got him because I hit him behind my speaker. The other girl reflection is to keep connected. I make the children up to smoke the wool. The black the men, they come up to my door. I don't smoke some soap, but they knock the floor. love to feel like
1: you are
0: tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com.
2: Okay, and we are back. This video played a little bit longer than I wanted it to, but I hope everyone was able to receive the message of the I am, how powerful those two words are super just been hidden from us. Just um, believing in who you are, stating who you are and what you want, and the power of I am and manifesting what it is that you want in life or are to do or be and have in life. And we'll talk more about that as we learn about our chakras which I just want to speak about before we move on to Aja though. I know Delta, you have a hot topic you would like to share? Delta. Hot topic you would like to share. Delta. They was talk they was can you hear me? I was yes, talking, now. I was saying, they were saying this morning on the news that the Freddie Gray case, they're going to go before the uh, the jury. I mean, like, before the um grand jury and the judge, they're going to try to see if they can get the trial moved out of St. Louis. That is their goal, but this was the most important thing. Moved out, out of out. Uh, Baltimore? Yeah, yeah, because they're trying some, to move okay. it from they're trying to move it out of there, but this what really stood out in my mind that's going on in St. Louis. They had a big uh like a class action lawsuit back there some years ago about uh-huh. um about the lead paint, so a lot of the black people got a lot of money, like one man got six hundred thousand dollars, and this white firm went in there. And Freddie Gray got 146000 And this white mm-hmm. firm went up in there that where you buy out um, a people lawsuit, if, like Freddie Gray, money money's supposed to have be been paid out in a certain period of time. And Freddie mm-hmm. Gray never wanted all their money at one time. And do y'all know, it is so sad when black folks is not up on it and not educated. Freddie Gray Sold his lawsuit out. He sold that a hundred and forty-six thousand. He sold it for eighteen thousand dollars. Then another man had six hundred thousand, six hundred fifty thousand dollars. He sold his case out for fifty thousand dollars. And they were saying how they was coming up in there, up in St. Louis, targeting all these poor. Black people who had got all this money from lead poisoning, And they were going around and giving them the money. They weren't going to pay them the money all at one time. They was going to pay them like in so many installments. Oh,
1: right. And the
2: black people were so poor and needed the money that they just took, oh, my God, did y'all hear? I mean, 146000 and you going to walk away with number but 18? A cash out payment. Another man, six hundred and twenty-five thousand, and he gonna take fifty. Oh my God! It's just so sad that our people cannot wait and cannot educate themselves. It's no way that I would have took my lawsuit and settled it for eighteen thousand dollars. I mean, it's just sad. What well, can we maybe? Maybe in some cases, like that Delta, um, I think you know they they may have really been in need of the like eighteen thousand at that time. Perhaps you never know what a person's circumstances are. Why they decided, and maybe they just whatever. But, yeah, the case. but they, they said this, I mean? yeah. But they said this particular company comes in, and they said that it targets all the black poor people and okay. got them to sign over their lawsuit over 60% Look, the same way CBS has the headhunters searching out which families they can come in and um, take away the children from. Same thing. These people are always focused on some some type of way. It has a lot to do with the person's circumstance, what they know, what they don't know. Um, the support system that they Mm had. They may not have had anybody to say, you know, if you just wait a few months, you can get this and this and this and this and this. To them, Mm -hmm. it may have been, I may not be here in six months because I saw Mm -hmm. Joe get killed last week. Harvey got killed week before that. You know, Mm -hmm. so we, we just really don't know where their mindset is, what their predicament mm-hmm. is, or anything. We can't say uneducated. I mean, education may have something to do with it, but we can't, we can't be judgmental about this because we really don't know. Because to be honest with you, I've had my chances at some, at some quick money and at some money that I could have invested, but I really didn't trust the investment people. So I said, don't just give me my money, okay? Just give me my money because I don't want you investing over here and investing over there, and then a year or two from now, you say, well, it didn't work like like we thought it would. So I asked for my money in cash. Somebody else may have said, mm-mm-mm, silly, ditty broad. You know, she's so stupid. She could have invested in this and then had this five, ten years from now. So You know, you just can never say, you know. You just have to know what that that person knows. Well, no, what I'm mostly trying to say is, I was trying to say if I believe they was tricking the people, that's most of what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say I believe the white man came in and was tricking him. I don't doubt that at all.
5: That's the same thing going on with annuity programs, the four oh one K program. Okay, when you when you got money stored up in these programs like four oh one K and annuity programs on your job, what people do not understand and what I have researched and been telling them is that these investment schemes by bankers, this your money is not insured. Anything that's not in a bank is not insured. If you put X amount of dollars into a 401k plan, we see right now that we have no stability over our export, okay, Mm -hmm. which means that other countries such as China uh, can devalue our dollar like they just did for the last three weeks. And you saw gas prices go down to almost less than two dollars a gallon.
2: Yes. I okay. saw that um in a little suburb right outside of Houston called Missouri City. Uh um, Brother Brown gas was one ninety nine. Mid grade right. is like uh about two nineteen right now. It's just beautiful. Right,
5: and see, when when you see this happening, that means that somebody else is controlling your money. I tell people religiously because on my job I retired from, we had an annuity program, which means that they save so much now, they saves so much an hour. And I know guys that to took your full hours out of their paycheck, plus what the country, what the company matched per hour that you work. And they got nice little sums of money put away, but they won't draw the money down. Now, if this market falls tomorrow, Tomorrow, the investments that these people are investing your money in, cause that fails, all of the money that you have saved, you lose. I know a lady lost $85,000 of her savings. Almost a $100,000. And it broke, it broke her so bad that she liked to have a nervous breakdown and she couldn't retire. She lost yeah. everything okay. she I, put into one of these. I stores. know, some I people know, who was a lot of that.
2: Yeah, like, uh, here in Houston with the, uh, Enron scandal, many people lost their investments. Yeah. Now, Archie, we only have like about 20 minutes and we want to let you come in and, uh, talk to us again about the root chakra and how all of this that we see, like what Brother Brown just mentioned, the lady losing all of her money. She no longer has that sense of security. And, um, the people uh, uh, like Freddie Gray being exposed to this lead and going through these lawsuits and all this drama and trauma. How does all of that tie into the root cause, and what can we do about it? Okay, all right. Um, first of all, I want to 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 break it down so that it's it's clear, you know, to everyone. I'm speaking layman's layman's terms, so that that everyone will understand uh, how this all ties in together. It'll make more sense. So we've talked about the chakras before, and I wanted to make sure that everybody understood that all living beings are made of energy. I think that's, you know, not just among the conscious people, I think everybody should be aware or be aware as of this reading we're all made of energy okay so that's that's how we're all connected and so this energy gives off vibrations which create a macro uh, magnetic fields and and sometimes we can actually we can actually see these fields. some people are gifted enough to actually see these fields and they call them auras. you know like I saw her aura, you have the beautiful aura, you know so that's a magnetic field uh, that's being uh, uh reflected off of our bodies from their energy that's that's, that's Aja, Can I say something like that in regards to aura when auras you, when you finish that sure. statement, sure. You you can go ahead and speak on auras now. Oh great. Um, just because I, I think that also Aaliyah's death anniversary is coming up. Aaliyah, the little singer, uh, the guy in the uh playing ash coming back from the Bahamas after Tim and her rock the boat video. I forgot what year. Mm-hmm. But um I remember some people were saying that in that video you could see uh different colors in her aura that signified mm. that she was about to make the transition. I so remember hearing I, uh, something about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I don't know if I'm able to I actually like see ours and the different colors, but I know that I, like on YouTube, which I love, YouTube YouTube has some videos that I kind of talk to you and walk you through how to develop that, because we all have these special uh gifts that we're uh, that we come here with, and we just have to tap into them to learn how to use those gifts. And I think those right, right play into what your purpose is. You know, like Michael Jordan, yes. his gift was being able to jump so high. You know, and so he yes. used that, and he became the person that he is. So, anyway, I just want to jump in on yes. that. Okay. I'll be quiet now. Okay. Okay. No, no. Feel free to jump in when um, you have a, 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 a comment or what have you. Okay, I wanna make sure that everybody is, is, is staying with me. So your yeah. brain is a massive energy, just like your heart. They just have different functions. And so your your each 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 part of your body gives off different types of vibrations. Okay. Uh, some are stronger than others. Like your your heart, uh, mass of your heart it gives off a much uh, stronger magnetic field than your brain. Okay, it 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 has it gives off five five hundred times the power of the brain. That's why uh, you may hear people say the heart already knows what the mind thinks. Okay, the heart already knows what the mind thinks. The heart has five hundred times more energetic field magnet uh, magnetism going out than than the brain does. So we've got all this this energy flowing through us, and it's very powerful. Just like your I am uh, uh, segment that you, that you just had, our thoughts are energy, and the energy is very powerful. That's why it's important what you think. It can, it can manifest itself. If you concentrate on it hard enough, it will manifest itself. If you say, I never have enough, you never will. You never will because you're sending out that energy to that, that, that thought, that concentrated thought. I never have enough. I never have enough. Then that, the universe is hearing that. And then it's turning it back around to you, giving you just what you asked for, giving you just what you asked for. You say you have enough, you never have enough. Okay, let me make sure that you never have enough. So in the movie, everybody, most of the people on the phone saw the movie Matrix, okay? You remember when the machines had taken over the humans and they were using their bodies for energy and they were living in pods and, and and their whole world was uh, was just an illusion, okay? The whole world was an illusion. There were a lot of messages in that film. A lot of messages. Some people picked up on them and some of them didn't. Uh, like the world is an illusion. It's not what you think it is. Uh, the, uh, um, uh, the person that they were trying to seek, she, she happened to be, um, the oracle, just happened to be a black female and she is the, the, the uh, first mother of the earth, you know. Um, but one thing I wanted to talk about with regards to the matrix is energy. Energy is extremely powerful, and that's what we're made of, and that's really what that movie was about. One of the things about the movie was, was the energy was being stolen from the people. Another thing about the movie is that you have power more than you can imagine. All you have to do is know it. So we've got seven major energy fields going up and down our body, okay? So there are lots of energy fields, but we're just going to talk about the seven major ones. They go up and down our body like wheels, like vortexes that are going around. And they start at the uh, perennial gland, uh, which is the root. It's the first one. It's located between the anus and your, um, uh, help me out the black words. Your anus, like all Genitals. and your genitals. Your genitals, genitals. thank you. Yes. <laughs> all of this is in my head. I'm not reading anything, I'm just in my head. Thank you, genitals. Okay. So that's where the first one is. So it goes all the way up to the top of your head, which is your crown. So these these seven wheel like vortexes, and that's what that's what uh chakra means in Sanskrit. It means a wheel, okay. So uh, they're turning, and they affect, they also correspond to different colors. Each, Each chakra, each wheel, it corresponds to a different color. You know that sound is an energy, right? So they also correspond to different sounds, and they all correspond to the universe. The universe makes a sound. Believe it or not, the universe dances. I'm a dancer, and I was happy to know that the universe dances. The universe, like in the video that you were just listening to, the universe has a sound too. It's 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 um om, and that's why they have the they chant uh when they do the mantras they do the their their chant om first because they're announcing themselves om. So that's the sound of the universe. So these chakras, the seven chakras that we're going to talk about, we're just really going to uh, hit on the the root first because it's the most important. They affect our emotions. They affect how we view ourselves and our relationships, as well as our connection to our higher God, whatever you call your higher God. They even affect our, our physical well-being, our illnesses that we have, our, our, our headaches, our, our, our backaches, arthritis. All of that is related to the chakras. Okay, so think of think of this. Think of it like this. I like to do analogies to help people uh, uh, relate to things. Think of your Everybody is familiar with your spirits, right? Your soul, your spirit. Okay. So your spirit needs a body to experience earth living, living on earth. We call it earth school. So you can come down and learn what you're supposed to learn. So your spirit needs a body. So it can walk around and and experience being a being. So in order to visualize what the chakras are like, think of your chakras as your wheels of this body. Your wheels help you to get around like a GPS. Like if you're in your car, you want to go somewhere, you you turn on your GPS and you say, how can I get there? The fastest way, the safe, safest way, without the least, with, with the least bit of, of trouble, least bit of effort. So the chakras help us to move about life with the least bit of trouble. If you don't, if you're not aware of what your chakras are doing, then you're 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 staying in the same fix, the same uh, disease condition uh, your emotions are out of whack uh, you're angry um, things things of that nature um, when we talk about knowing your roots we mean more than just knowing your ancestry. we mean knowing what your roots are about. And so forth, your chakra system is concerned. It means knowing you. What makes you tick? Why are you sick? Why are you tired? Why do you have a good sixth sense? I knew it. I knew it. I knew that. I knew I shouldn't have gone that way. I knew she was going to do that. I just, some told me, I knew it. Some people are very good at that. They use it. A strong connection with the spiritual world. Some people have a very strong connection with their higher self. Some people never seem to have enough money. Some people have security and self esteem issues. Some people feel limited when it comes to their sexual freedom. They want to do something, but, oh, this might be bad. Oh, I wish that I could tell my honey I want to do this. I, I just can't get the nerve. Okay. All of this is related to your chakras. So what is chakra balance and why is it important? Many people are new to the idea of chakra balancing, and they think that uh, you have to either open the chakra or close the chakra. It's it's more to it than that. It's it's like anything in life. It's about balance. Not too much and not too little. Not too much this way, not too much that way. The chakras, they transmit energy. And so this energy, it translates into psychic, emotional, and physical energy. Too much this way may affect the way we think and act and feel. For instance, if there was a little bit too much flow of energy through your heart chakra no, if there was too much energy. I like this one. If there's too much energy going through your heart chakra, then you would be considered as a person with a bleeding heart. You you wear your up your heart on your sleeve. You you just you just oh just love everybody and even 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 though it hurts you, you just just oh that the, your 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 heart chakra is a little bit too open need to calm down a little bit, balance it a little bit now, on the other hand, if someone's uh heart chakra is is closed, then they are probably some person that's cold-hearted they have a hard heart. They have no sympathy, no compassion, no nothing. Their chakra, they need to open theirs up a little. So, so these these are instances of of how our chakras affect our everyday life. So let's talk about the root chakra for a minute. So the root chakra. The root chakra is the most important chakra. It balances the others. It's the one that relates to our body. Because we have to have a body to have our spirit here. So anything that has to do with safety, feeling secure, feeling that you're not going to be shot down in two weeks from now, feeling that you are going to get enough to eat, feeling that somebody is going to rescue you through this storm, um, feeling that uh, your bills will get paid. If you don't feel these things, your root chakra is off. If you have parental issues, child childhood issues, your root chakra is off. Unsettled things with your parent, your root chakra is, is totally off. Um, you can't seem to keep money. You can't seem to balance your money then your two root chakra is off because that has to do with security. It has to do with um, prosperity. It has to do with any kind of illness that you may have with your body, any kind of physical illness that you may have with your body. And this this energy field, the root chakra field, is the one I was speaking of, here, of earlier. It's the closest one to uh, ethereal it's the it, it's the aura that you see that's the root chakra the, all the other chakras you can't really see them they're too far deep inside of you but the root chakra which belongs to the body you some people can see the root chakra so some ways that you can can balance your root chakra the ways that you can balance your root chakra is um, getting in contact with the earth, with nature, uh, whether it's fresh grass, breathe in the grass, take your shoes off, get connection with the earth. If you walk or jog, jog on the ground. When you wake up in the morning, just kind of stomp your feet a few times. Get that connection with, 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 the, with the solidity with the earth, think of the color red because red is the corresponding color of the root chakra. Um, these are just some of the things that you can you can do to get back in touch with your root chakra to balance your root chakra. Some of the causes, you may have ever had some kind of uh, separation from your parents or or some falling out with your parents. And it's always good to have a a good affirmation, a good affirmation to read uh, daily, like I am a divine being of light, and I am peaceful, protected, and secure. Or I am grateful for the challenges that have taught me who I truly am. So also it's good to listen to... um some binaural beats that correspond with the root chakra but those are just some okay. of the uh, and Asha, we're just about to close out so could you just give us like a minute of breathing just to close us out here on these last few little seconds that we have sure um, if you just relax your shoulders um, relax your, your throat, your tongue ah, roll your head around a little bit, shake your arms Close your eyes. Relax your jawbone. Take a deep breath and breathe from your abdomen. Put your hand on your abdomen. Take a deep breath. Pull up your abdomen. Hold it. Release. As you release, your stomach goes flat. Release all negative energies. Release all stress, all your worries. Take another deep breath, inhale, inhale all the wonderful gifts that the universe has to offer you, inhale through your nose, all the way down to your stomach, hold and release and your stomach goes flat and periodically during the day try doing these conscious breathing exercises.
3: It helps to clear your mind. It
2: also extends your life because you're breathing in your life
1: force. Great.
2: Thank you so much, Raja. Thank you, callers and listeners. Thank you for sharing. And I hope that everyone starts out with a wonderful week. Peace. We speak across color lines divided right, right.
4: Centuries. We speak into the great arms of heavens and earth, embracing ancestral spirits with our breath now. From past to present to time beyond times, time, we speak from old and young hearts to you, you who came through. Bellies of destruction, from captivity through slave caves, through the door of return. Bodies as commodities, branded as inhuman. You who Stand as an ascendant of Mahapa.
1: from Accra to sanga Bereku to a palm to Anomabo to Cape Coast
6: to Elmina.